Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. We're going to read the Bible now, so if you would want to pull out your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 2 Corinthians Chapter 1, starting at verse 12. Now this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world, and especially in our relations with you, with integrity and godly sincerity. We have done so relying not on worldly wisdom, but on God's grace. For we do not write you anything you cannot read or understand. And I hope that, as you have understood us in part, you will come to understand fully that you can boast of us, just as we will boast of you in the day of the Lord Jesus. Because I was confident of this, I wanted to visit you first so that you might benefit twice. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and then to have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I fickle when I intended to do this? Or do I make my plans in a worldly manner so that in the same breath I say both yes, yes and no, no? But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, But in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. I call God as my witness and I stake my life on it that it was in order to spare you that I did not return to Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy because it is by faith you stand firm. So I made up my mind that I would not make another painful visit to you. For if I grieve you, Who is left to make me glad but you whom I have grieved? I wrote as I did, so that when I came I would not be distressed by those who should have made me rejoice. I had confidence in all of you, that you would all share my joy. For I wrote you out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. Now, just before Nate comes up, I'm going to pray for him. Thank you, Lockie. So, for those of you who haven't met me, my name's Nate. I'm a long-term member of the Young Adults here at 6pm. And as of more recently, I've had the opportunity to become a mission partner of St Matt's. I've started a role, as many of you will already know, with Ambassadors Football, which gives me the opportunity to share, share about my faith and share Christ with youth and kids through soccer. 
Uh, now, this is a really incredible opportunity for me where I get to combine what I consider my two passions of faith and football uh, into one role. And so uh, it's really incredible to have that opportunity. Uh, and so I've been there for a couple of months. And since starting my role with ambassadors, I've started to feel at times this underlying feeling of I need to have it all together. But in reality, I don't actually have it all together. If I'm honest, over the last two or three years, a key theme in my faith has been to ask a question of God's faithfulness. And I'm fairly confident that all of you have, or at some point will, ask questions of God's faithfulness too. Are his promises trustworthy? Does he really care? When life is hard, can I count on God? And in the passage today, this question of trust becomes a significant problem. The Corinthians, the same people who had heard the good news of Jesus through Paul, have started to question Paul's character, to question his faithfulness. The Corinthians have started to ask, can Paul really be trusted? Can we count on Paul? And so they've started to bring accusations against him. And if you look at uh, verses 15 and 16 with me, you'll start to see what these accusations are about. Paul says, I wanted to visit you first so that you might benefit twice. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and then to have you send me on my way to Judea. The issue here is Paul's travel plans. Paul had previously planned to pass through Corinth both on his way to Macedonia and on his way back so that they might benefit twice. By coming twice, they would be able to share even more in mutual encouragement, joy and fellowship. But the issue is that at some point, Paul's plans had changed. Instead of having the joy of seeing Paul twice, the Corinthians were now hearing from Paul in the form of a letter. Paul says, Was I fickle when I intended to do this? Or do I make my plans in a worldly manner so that in the same breath I say both yes, yes, and no, no? It seems that they'd begun to wonder, why would Paul change his mind? If he's said one thing and done another, is Paul fickle? Is he double-minded? Did he really ever intend on coming to us twice? Does he actually care about us? And I think at a deeper level they've begun to ask the question, Can Paul be trusted? Can we count on Paul? And if I was Paul, I think my response would be to defend myself, to explain my actions, to say, I didn't want to change my plans, but it was more convenient to. But I had to. But I thought it would be best for you. But, Or I might be tempted to accuse you, to be frustrated at you, to say, if you hadn't done this, we wouldn't really be in this mess. And maybe that says more about me or about us than it does about Paul because our desire to defend ourselves is often so great. But instead, Paul simply assures them of his integrity because he relies on the grace of God. He says in verse 12, Now this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relations with you with integrity and godly sincerity. We have done so relying not on worldly wisdom, but on God's grace. 
Paul's boast is not about glorifying himself or showing others how great he is. It's about having a confidence in what he's saying. He's confident in the fact that his conscience is clear, that he and Timothy have acted with godly integrity and godly sincerity, that they've acted with godly motives and they've been sincere in all of their dealings with the Corinthians. Paul is so convinced that he's acted with integrity because he's relied not on worldly wisdom but on God's grace. Paul is saying, I don't rely on anything but God's grace. I don't rely on a great self-defence or a clever argument. I rely solely on God's grace, God's kindness and God's mercy. And as he later tells us, for Paul to rely on God's grace was for him to make the decision not to visit the Corinthians twice. He goes on to explain in chapter 2, verse 1, that he wouldn't make another painful visit to them because ultimately it would result in their grief. Paul believed that it was best for them that he didn't visit. And so this wasn't a question of his faithfulness. It wasn't a matter of his faithfulness. He had godly motives all along. In fact, Paul goes on to say that he wrote in chapter 2, verse 4, out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. Paul, living with godly motives, understood this change of plans to be the best thing for the Corinthians. He had acted with integrity, relying on God's grace. And by responding this way, I think Paul is shifting his defence into a much bigger question. If Paul has come to the Corinthians under God's will and has acted according to God's grace, the question becomes much bigger. It's no longer, can Paul be trusted? Can God be trusted? Can God really be trusted? Is God still faithful? And can we count on God? And I think the bigger issue for us today is this same question. In a society that has such a deep distrust of God, a society that asks us, how could your God let this happen? How could your God let that happen? Is your God really there for you? And even if he is, does he actually care? Can we really count on God? When your depression is rearing its head and trying to find the energy for everyday tasks is unbearable, can you really count on God? When your anxious thoughts paralyse you and it seems like there's no way out, can you count on God? Is God really there? When you feel alone, when no one seems to care, does God actually care? When work is tough, when things at home are hard, when you experience relational breakdown, when you're sad, hurt or feeling weighed down by the things of this world, can you count on God? Is God still faithful? Our minds might say yes, but in the midst of great difficulty, it's so easy for our hearts to tell us that God isn't really there. To begin to believe the lies of the world that God is not faithful, that God doesn't care. But Paul is so confident in God's faithfulness because throughout the Old Testament there's an overwhelming amount of evidence of God's faithfulness. God brought Noah out of the flood that was to wipe out all of mankind. He placed Joseph in a position of power after being sold into slavery He brought a child to Baron Abraham and Sarah that would start a nation. 
He miraculously brought Moses and the Israelites out of slavery. He brought Joshua and the Israelites into the promised land. All of these things show us that God has always followed through on his promises. And these real examples of God's promises show us his true character. That God is faithful to his promises. That he follows through on what he says. That he can be counted on. But again and again as we look at these Old Testament promises, they seem to look to something bigger. Something that goes beyond those specific people in those specific times into a much greater picture. And Paul in our passage today claims that all of these big promises in the Old Testament are ultimately fulfilled in Christ. He says in verse 20, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Every single promise that God has made is fulfilled in Christ. All of his promises are anchored in Christ. They're secured in Christ. God's promises a yes in Christ. Consider the promise in the Old Testament that though your sins are like scarlet, they will be as white as snow. In Jesus we see a perfect saviour, one that came to deal with the sins of the world even though he didn't have to. We see a willing Jesus who could say, Lord, take this cup from me. Take this suffering. But not my will but yours. We see our beaten saviour on the cross saying, it is finished. Jesus dealt with your sin. He took that punishment that you deserved. Your sins are now as white as snow. So we can say yes to God's promises through Christ. Or consider the vision of the Old Testament where all nations will one day come to the mountain of the Lord, where every nation will come before God, in this beautiful vision of praise and worship. And then we see Jesus, who after being crucified for our sin, defeated death and miraculously rose from the dead. We see Jesus who defeated death and gave us life. He gave us hope, a hope of this future picture of every nation and tribe coming together in perfect unity. In this picture of heaven, we see God's promises fulfilled, yes, in Christ. God's promises are not forgotten. His promises of the past are not forgotten. They are yes in Christ because God is faithful. God cares for his people. God cares for you and you can count on him. Paul goes on to say, and so through him the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. God's promises are fulfilled in Christ and it is in Christ that we can say Amen to the glory of God. What Paul means is that through Christ we can affirm that God is faithful to his promises. By saying Amen we're saying yes or we're saying truly to his promises to the fact that he is faithful. God's promises are all yes in Christ and the appropriate response from us is to say Amen. Yes, this is true through Christ to God's glory. But my answer isn't always yes to God's faithfulness. And I suspect for many of you, at times your answer hasn't been yes. Because sometimes it is so hard to trust. When you've been calling out to God for help, 
to pull you out of that spiritual or emotional rut, to heal that sickness, to end the conflict, to bring an end to the present suffering, and you hear no answer, you might begin to wonder, does God care? Is he even there? We're so quick to look at the pain around us and to get so caught up in what we want to happen right now. We look at the immediate and we lose sight of this big picture. We fail to recognise that God has been faithful throughout all eternity and we get so caught up in the now. But we need to look at God's big picture to remember his faithfulness. We need to remember that he's been faithful throughout all history. But we also need to consider, what has God actually promised to us? Has he promised to make things easy? Has he promised to take away the physical pain now or the emotional burden? Has God promised that when difficulty comes in life, he will take it away? He will spare you the trials? I don't think he has. But you know what he has promised? He has promised that he's working for the good of those who love him. So perhaps his answer to your cry for help isn't no. Perhaps it still is yes, but not yet. And I think it's when our focus becomes so centred on our troubles now that we need some kind of guarantee, an assurance of God's faithfulness now. And our passage tells us in verses 21 and 22 that it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. It is God who makes you stand firm in Christ. It's through Christ that you remain connected to the vine. And how does he do it? He's put his spirit in you as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. The spirit is our guarantee that no matter what troubles we're facing now, that God has been faithful that God has been faithful through Christ and that God will be faithful. The Spirit, a guarantee of God's faithfulness, is also a guarantee of hope, a guarantee that we will experience the picture of Revelation 21 where there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. An assurance that even when life can get so hard now, we can look forward to this time where there will be no more crying or pain. When you're praying the same prayer for the third time or the hundredth time and it seems like God isn't answering, we have this assurance of the future without pain where all of our troubles will be done away with. And if you consider the state of our world, that's the message we need to hear. It's a message I need to hear. It can so easily seem like everything in our world is falling apart. Whether it's hearing the news of terrible war persecution or poverty or maybe closer to home perhaps it's it feels like your world is falling apart when you slip back into the darkness of depression when your anxiety makes you feel like there's nowhere to run from the chaos when your experience of the world just doesn't seem to make sense god is faithful he has been and he will be all you need to do is look to christ because in him all of god's promises are yes And we see a great example of this trust in God's faithfulness in the person of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. 
a Christian that lived during the reign of Hitler in Nazi Germany. Bonhoeffer was one of very few Christians who were willing to stand up for what they believed, to care for the oppressed, and to put themselves at risk in the midst of great persecution. And after years of struggle, while in prison before his execution, Bonhoeffer wrote about God's promises being yes in Christ. He said, Everything depends on the in him. Everything that we may rightly expect from God, everything for which we may ask, is to be found in Jesus Christ. We must sink ourselves ever again, taking much time and without haste into living, speaking, acting, suffering and dying of Jesus in order to discover what God promises and what God fulfills. Bonhoeffer understood that no matter what his external circumstances seemed to suggest, God was faithful. God follows through on what he promises. And ultimately, God's faithfulness is found in the person of Jesus Christ, so that all of God's promises are yes in Christ. Through Christ, he will make you stand firm. He has and is guaranteeing that through his spirit, so that you will get to enjoy this beautiful picture this beautiful future where there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no, no, no more depression, no more anxiety, just peace and comfort. Can you count on God? Can you trust that God really is faithful when the chaos of the world around you tells you there's no way out? When the world around you says, your God isn't there. God is faithful. Through his promises of the past, we can say, yes. God is faithful now. Through Christ, who fulfills all promises, we can say, yes. So, can God be counted on? Through Christ, we can say, amen. Yes, to the glory of God. Let me finish with the words of Ephesians 3, 20-21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St Matt's West Penn Hills 6pm congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmats.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.